Sanchez. Servus. Welcome to episode 23, yay, of the Mia Sun Rope podcast. Today I am joined by uh, Maurice House and Mark Almstead, both who write for the site and whose opinions are awesome all the time, always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I can live up to that standard. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Marie, <laughs> Marie, say hi. Yeah, setting the bar really high. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm chatting you up. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and, uh, and Mark, how are you today? Great. <laughs> awesome. Maurice, good? Yeah, sure. Always after victory. So, right, right. So, uh, Bayern had a couple of victories to celebrate. Um, we haven't been with you since before the international break, which was fairly mediocre. Um, and almost everybody came back unscathed except for Arturo Vidal, who had, who had a little knock. Um, but... There was a massive, massive victory over Bebao Bay. It was 6-0, 5-0 in the first half. Um, so let's start off this episode and chat about that ass-kicking. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at me? <laughs> it was an ass-kicking. It, 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 yeah, definitely. Uh, um Watching the match, I wasn't uh, very certain whether that was really Dortmund or that was just uh, Hamburg players dressed as uh, Dortmund players. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's kind of striking. And, and and we all know how much media has hyped up this match um, over the last six or seven years. Um, but where it was relevant in 2012, 2013, um, this has become... A completely irrelevant match. Um, how do you how do you guys feel about that? I I am not going to call it the K name because I hate that and I mute that word on Twitter. So <laughs> we are never saying it on the show, or else I'll mute you <laughs> too. <laughs> but but um, uh, it, 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 uh, what are what are your feelings about uh, about um, Beva Bay's decline, Maurice, and how absolutely shambolic they looked in this match? Well, um, <clears throat> first, let me start by saying uh, that. Uh, the DFB is certainly, or the DFL is certainly looking for um, more excitement in the in the um, in the league because they they set this game always um, very late uh, in the season, like. This was match day 27, am I right? Yep. Yeah, and uh, so they always try to create this uh, kind of suspense um, with this match that late. But for the past few seasons now, uh, the title race has been officially over or at least uh, like... Officially over, um, so the game really was not 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 important anymore uh, at the point that it was played or at the stage that it was played in. So and certainly Bayern um, is is to blame for a certain part, but especially this season, um, I think Dortmund is to blame blame as well. Um, I think they've uh, struggled a lot, um, of course, also with. 
with injuries as they struggle with every year. But especially this season, of course, um, yeah, losing Aubameyang in the winter break, um, of course, uh, changing head coach midway through the season. Um, there have been better years for, for Dortmund and yeah, it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the same Dortmund that was actually able to go head ahead with Bayern uh, throughout the past years. And uh, it was for me, it was really shocking to see that the gap between Bayern and Dortmund is actually that big, because uh, the week prior or two weeks prior, before the international break, we saw Bayern play Leipzig, and that at least looked like uh, that looked like real competition out there. Obviously, with uh, Leipzig coming out on top. But uh, Dortmund just showed a whole other uh, side of themselves, and not really the uh, the bright side. Do you think? Do you think, Maurice? Do you think Peter uh, Stoger has him playing like I don't know, probably eleven, twelve sides in the in the Bundesliga where um, they are not confident in going forward, so they play a more defensive sort of football. Yeah, yeah, maybe, and uh, certainly uh, Stöger has not been the the big, um, yeah, like the, the big revolution that uh, Dortmund has hoped after 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 Bosch's departure. Um, they they still struggle just with any kind of build up. They still struggle to create a lot of chances, especially against the the, the better opponents. And um, yeah, I think when they appointed him, um, they they thought that he would maybe. Turn back uh, the time, like maybe like uh, like Heinkes did with Bayern, but it certainly has not been the case uh, the, the case uh, for for Stuttgart and Dortmund um, this season. Mark, uh, Mark, what uh, what are your initial impressions of the match? Um, I mean, going into this match, I kind of expected Bayern would jump ahead fairly early, maybe even getting one or two goals in the first half hour. But when they got that third one, it was just, I mean, the writing was on the wall. They were just going to run over Dortmund at that point. And, you know, I think the the only hope that Baby Bay had going into the match was, you know, that letdown that Bayern usually has after they, you know, get a lead early in a game. And when that didn't, you know, when they just kept scoring, it was pretty much over. Yeah. It, it, so our fan club, so the fan club that I belong to here in Boca, uh, mm. we we do shots after every Byron goal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all, I had to rewatch the match. <laughs> 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 to, be, to be perfectly honest, because we were all hammered. And they were giving us... Um, uh, car bombs out there. No, <laughs> it was it was br- it was ugly. As 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 drunk as we all got is as uh, as as positive as Byron performed on the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but this is a, this is a different sort of Byron under Hankus um, than. Uh, say from the uh, Guardiola years, there was there was a real uh, verticality to to that match and a directness of play that that was happening. Would you guys agree? Definitely. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, and m most of that was just like the, the counter pressure that they were able to apply. And Castro and Dahoud both like seemed uh, completely overwhelmed with that situation. Um, and James, Müller, Martinez, all three of them constantly pushing um, yeah, Dortmund into their next mistakes, obviously with uh, that, uh, with uh, Castro's ball leading to the 3-0 and then Weigel later um, l losing possession leading to the 5-0 by, by Ribéry. Um, that, that certainly played a, a huge role. And yeah, it's... Um... 20 dispossessions throughout the game. <coughs> like, yeah, it's, like it's, when it's, they dispossess Dortmund. It's it's pretty notable that the first four goals came after interceptions from Beva Bay. So Byron was able to press really, really well and effectively um, without having may maybe the... What are the position statistics? I'm sorry, I should know this, but I don't... I think Byron at 60%. Yeah, yeah, you might expect like a match with this kind of result maybe to have, you know, maybe 10% 10, 10 higher or so. Um, but I think they did a really good job in – it wasn't like a gegenpressing situation. It was just a, a, a very well-applied way to approach the game. Would you say, Maurice? Yeah, and um, the, the thing that, that probably stands out the most is that combination of James and Martinez that uh, worked really well in that match. And uh, of course, we've seen Heinkes um, use uh, various kinds of formations against teams, uh, but he's, he's often come back to that um, to that. Uh, Play with with like that uh, two, two players uh, right in front of the defense uh, in defensive midfield, and yeah, kind of kind of against Dortmund, uh, Hamas played that second def defensive midfielder, if you can call it that, um, and that really helped helped Bayern a lot because it it, it because Hamas just with the, the way that he plays, um, he just brings a lot more creativity to that uh, to the double pivot and that really really helped help Bayern in that match because it it kind of it kind of drew apart that uh, that BVB um, midfield um, with Castro, Dahoud and Götze and James and Martinez as well seem to have like some kind of understanding to yeah to 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 to, to help uh, play Dortmund uh, or to to yeah, like show the weaknesses of, of Dortmund when they um, from time to time um, yeah drew that drew those players apart, and that that pro uh, proved to be the key uh, in my opinion against Dortmund. Yeah, absolutely, and literally, like my next talking point, my note was or is because it's still here. <laughs> How amazing was it to have Müller, Heimes, and uh, Martinez in the midfield? Together, yeah. Right, that, that Mark. To be yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, it's it's amazing how much more stable they are with Martinez back there than so anyone else when you're playing Muller and Hamas together. I mean, because I think they played them with Vidal or Tiago earlier in the season, and it was just a disaster. But when you have that stability with with uh, Martinez back there, it 
it just works so much better. So, so guys, talking about this, what what does this mean for uh, Chiago going forward, Maurice? Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one because um, I I obviously am a big uh, fan of Thiago and his and his play, um, but I think Müller is really best served in that role as like the the free roaming player um, in like that uh, yeah like you would probably probably call it like the the ten spot um, like the playmaker, um, but actually not being the playmaker, but just like um, occupying every possible. Sp- Space and creating a lot of confusion in the opponent's back four, and so uh, that, that that is why I see him best like best suited to that role and not like the the, the right winger position that he played against Sevilla for a change. Um, and so if if you have Müller there and you have Hamas, um playing that other spot in in central midfield, then you have to go with like a more defensive minded um, third player because Hamas obviously is another offensive minded player and that would leave out uh, Thiago uh, in the current uh, current playing style which yeah is is like a, a comfortable situation to have Thiago coming off the bench um, but it it sure looks like this is the way that um, maybe suits Bayern uh, best against uh, better opponents Mark, what what do you think of that midfield so uh, like I'm thinking of, of Thiago and maybe where he might have fitted in to that role or what role he's best suited for at Bayern. And I would, I would, I would say he's like an eight, right? Between a 10 and a six. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I still, I agree with everything that Maurice was just saying. I still have a feeling that Hank is in against big teams. We're going to see either Vidal or, or, um, or Tiago out there and Muller playing on the right. <clears throat> it just seems to be what he's more comfortable with. And I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that because it gets so narrow, but um, it just seems to be the way that he's going to go about things. But I, I actually agree with him. I, I've been struggling to find a way to get Tiago onto the pitch when, you know, they look so much better with Hamas and Muller out there and Rivery and Robin, you know, right now on the wings. <laughs> You guys are taking all all of my talking points away from Sevilla right now. So. <laughs> Which we'll get we'll get to that in 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 just a second. But um, uh, uh, Maurice, anything uh, does anything stand out to you from the Bay Bay match? And can we really take? Um, can we really get like a a take it it might have been the most complete definitely 45 minutes for the first half but uh venturing in the second they definitely left the gas off because there was the tuesday match against sevilla um but it seems like that could have been uh, one of it or it had the potential to be one of Bayern's best uh displays of the season 
Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, just the way that that Bayern played, and back when Guardiola was the coach, we always uh, talked about um, this, or at least uh, on the Mirsan Road side, we talked about this uh, lineup of death. Like if you like, uh, like the Golden State Warriors throwing out there Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, which is just too much to handle for like every team in the NBA like Bayern almost would do the same under Guardiola in, in some matches throwing out um, Lewandowski Ribery Robin Müller and like a player like like Götze or like uh, Costa and then with with Thiago in there and I think this this lineup that we saw from uh, Bayern against BVB is like Jupp Heynckes equivalent to this lineup of death because he, he, he always looks like a little bit more um, to to like the, a defensive approach and so he puts in a Martinez uh, right there but um, obviously um, <clears throat> still really offensive minded um, formation with James and Müller uh, as the two eights or uh, as an eight and a ten and um, yeah but that just creates so much confusion and uh, before base seemed overwhelmed like every time especially because um, Martinez and also Hummels um, yeah kind of like to to all also um, get themselves involved into the offense and always look to like uh, move up, move uh, higher up the pitch and that that created just so much more um, confusion and was ultimately just too much to handle for for BVB. Um, before we move on to Sevilla, Mark, do you have any any last thoughts or or anything you'd like to mention about the BVB match? Uh, the only one thing that comes to mind is that is, this is another example to me of when Bayern really like get up for a game when they're really focused and they it's you know somewhere they want to make a statement so to speak. They usually come through with. Uh, pretty ridiculous performances so i mean if there's any encouragement for later on in this season i from this match i think that's probably about the only thing that i can think of otherwise it's just a demolishing sorry yeah it was fun i think <laughs> i think it was fun anyway i'm not i'm not actually sure because we were all hammered <laughs> <laughs> it was funny <laughs> Which I guess it means it was fun, right? <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. let's let's turn our attention to maybe a, a more tactically serious match. Um, Bayern overcame Sevilla in Spain, two uh, one, um, to win their first tie of the Champions League quarterfinals. Um, this this was a much different match and probably because it ultimately means a lot more i get i suppose as well um my my most striking uh, my most striking opinion or or the thing that i noticed most is i hated the starting 11 um same it played really really narrow whenever you have muller on the wing then you're giving up half nah a quarter of the pitch. Um, I would have much rather switched out the 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 start elf that played against Dortmund to play against Sevilla, and I think it might have been a a much easier time. 
Agreed. Well, I think um, I think Heinkes again just wanted to to focus on defense, and he just did not want to um, yeah put out such an offensive uh, team. And I think putting in um, Vidal and Thiago, who are both more defensive minded than uh, Robin and uh, James, really yeah really proves that proves that point because um, obviously ultimately it didn't work because obviously uh, we. We went down uh, one nothing um, pretty pretty early, and also we did not look really stable defensively for most parts of that first half. But I think that was uh, Heinkes trying to to yeah say well at least we don't concede too many goals and maybe we finish like one one and then we head home to Allianz Arena and then we attack Sevilla like for real. So Maurice. It- even though you're saying that, do you, do you think that is a correct decision? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I certainly would have liked to see uh, James out there. I think he could have could have helped a lot. Obviously, or, or maybe not as like a wing player, but uh, um, maybe for for Vidal in there. But I think just Heinkes like has this uh, this trust in Arturo Vidal that he will be there for the big matches and will perform there just because he like leaves everything on the pitch and um, so I, I can understand what what Heinkes meant but I'm not sure whether I would have made the same decision uh, when I if I would have been in his position <laughs> Mark, um, how how were you feeling about uh, the starting eleven? I know I uh, absolutely <laughs> raged about it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't i I wasn't totally surprised. Uh, I agree with what, what Maurice was saying. I think Hank is, you know, was just looking to make sure they didn't concede more than one or so goals and just take it back to the Allianz and demolish them there hopefully but um I, I definitely i was hoping for more of a you know inserting either tiago or vidal and then putting muller on the right and hamas leaving hamas in the middle i think that's a little bit more balanced and i think in some ways it actually helps with the defense to some degree too because it's like you were saying they get so narrow and even in way especially when you have um muller on the right and tiago in the midfield he Tiago tends to, you know, go left more than he does, you know, anywhere else. So like, so it drags it drags the whole match over to one exactly. side of the pitch. It's like right. basically Kimmich's the only player that's actually keeping wide right, and everybody else is either in the middle or skewing left. Yeah, it was it it it, it was funny to me, and and I don't think I think it's it. it was too big of a job on uh, Joshua Kimmich to patrol the entire right side by himself. Yeah. Maurice? Um, yeah, sure. Um, although I think uh, Kimmich kick, um, was a better of the two uh, wing defenders. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so my, my next point of topic was how... A bad one, Bernard was in this match. <laughs> yeah, he like just seemed completely, um, yeah, uh, overwhelmed with the whole situation. Um, I think there were several, several um, 
times when he lost the ball like in a really bad time and I, I still re I still particularly remember one one moment in the game because um I almost couldn't believe it. It was a, a throw-in at like maybe 40 yards out, and um, it was Hummels and um, Boateng were like both like five yards away from him, and he he, he had the throw-in and he tried or he he won and uh, one of the one of the Sevilla attackers like run ran right right by him and towards Hummels <laughs> and Bernard even though he just saw that Sevilla player right in front of him like go to Hummels and leave Boateng like alone <laughs> he still threw the ball to Hummels and of course Hummels was immediately under a lot of pressure and that that led to like a a good chance by Sevilla and yeah and just like lo those little things uh, they ultimately added up and then of course um, during uh, or he did not look um, really really good um, during uh, during the goal when 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 Sevilla scored because he just like yeah let let his opponent just pass by him as if he was like not even there. And this is, this is, so I'm a big Juan Bernat stan. I like him a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I always have. Uh, but he's been hard done by in the last month or so by Bayern um, having to play in a wing role when Frank Ribery couldn't, you know, and, and now having this pretty terrible match against Sevilla, <laughs> which is not going to give anybody any confidence in, in his abilities going forward. So I think maybe he's unnecessarily getting a lot of stick for things he doesn't have control over. But then when you add it to this match where he was supposed to have control over everything and then plays that terribly... I don't know. It doesn't look good going forward. Um, uh, Mark, uh, what do you think about Juan Bernat? I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you were just saying. Um, I, I do. Part of me wonders if some of the, you know, some of the reason why he didn't have the best game yesterday is because he was playing. He has been playing out of position. I mean, you know, his playing time over the last couple months really has been as a winger, not a wingback. And, you know, it, I know it's he doesn't really totally play as a true winger. Even when he was when he's out there, he plays more like a left midfielder almost. But it it's still different. And so you've got different conflicting things going on in your head. And that doesn't excuse, you know, the things that Maurice were talking about, was talking about, you know, giving the ball away easily, you know, just throwing the ball into someone who's completely covered and leads to another chance. But it, you got to wonder if it's shaking his confidence and, you know, if that has a lot to do with his performance yesterday. Um, yeah, so what 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 like what like we discussed in our in our Slack like the whole crew from Milson Road or what 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 they came up with is that Bernat seems to be like this player who, if he is like the clear left back option because like Alaba is injured, like he can really like almost get on the same level with Alaba or at least the the level that Alaba currently has, 
but like if he's like supposed to be like, like thrown in like every other game for like 10 minutes or like uh, like like yesterday like just thrown in and in, in to, to start a match then he's like easily uh, overwhelmed with the situation um, so it seems like he needs to he needs to have time to adapt and obviously he did not have any time for that um, prior to the match uh, yesterday uh Totally agree, Maurice. And I didn't, I, I wasn't on the Slack, so I didn't see any of that. But now I'm going to go back and read it all. <laughs> <laughs> I you were busy having shots, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so um, uh, let's chat a little bit about Franck Ribéry. Um, a six-minute yellow card. Wow. For, for <laughs> I something. Was, uh, at, for that, something at that moment. Right? For something really, really stupid, like a totally uh, typical Frank Ribery yellow card, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. And, but, but I think a Sevilla, um, like, like especially Correa, like the, the, le the left winger or left midfielder from Sevilla, um, was like uh, provocating like all game long, like always looking for the, for the dives and um, always falling really easily. Um, later against Kimmich, I think the same thing happened. Like it was like a beginning of the second half, I suppose, and, or end of the first half. Is that and, when he got uh, the card for diving? I th I think so yeah. yeah yeah and yeah like like when when Ribery got his yellow um Korea like di dived once more and <laughs> Ribery just saw that from like 20 yards away and he thought I need to do something about this right now <laughs> he knocked over one of the Sevilla guys <laughs> so, so the game was like like a pause for a second and then he just went over there and shoved him out of there and I was like man really like just just this, like the weekend against Dortmund same thing it's like 5-0 70th minute and Ribery still thinks uh, to himself well yeah I need to knock over that Weigel guy I, because he yeah, just like I, I gotta punch with his I gotta punch that yeah. dude for <laughs> and it's like when will he ever grow up and like like learn not to make those those mistakes no, um, uh, and the answer is probably never yeah uh, if it hasn't like happened at, at 70 years old when he plays with like his his little kids <laughs> like with his grandchildren and one of them like touches his left leg he will like completely <laughs> shove him over and yeah i don't know <laughs> you know uh, it, it's it's so if he hasn't learned by now he's never learning absolutely absolutely not <laughs> But um, usually uh, when Frank gets carded, um, he's got a, a very negative attitude going forwards. I don't know if you guys will agree with me on this, but he's the kind of guy like his emotions or, or whatever foul he commits, it, it kind of takes over him. And I think that the mentality sweeps throughout the team, but it didn't happen on Tuesday. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that, I thought that the, in this case, and it is kind of a unusual case when it comes to this, to Ribery, you know, being Ribery, but 
he he did it more for a reason and it wasn't like just total rage like it, it was a stupid reason and he shouldn't have done it but i mean <laughs> he, he wasn't you know i don't think he actually totally just lost his mind like he usually does yeah it, yeah that's that's a good find <laughs> controlled rage <laughs> it, it's so fun and 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 when it happened you know i just kind of roll i rolled my eyes and i was like oh god here we go again, you know, like <laughs> this is, this is going to be a thing. Um, but fortunately it wasn't. And so far, uh, noting that Kingsley Coman is out for the season cause he's out for the season. Um, Frank has done very, very well, um, in his role. He stepped up. Yeah, he uh, he did. He really did, and um, I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I have to say because I was um, always in the camp that said, well, um, give me Iron Robin any day of the week, but Ribery, I'm not so sure about. And actually, I have to say that the tables have turned because um, Ribery really has shown, like against Dortmund and now against Sevilla as well, that he can still be that. Um, or against Hamburg also, which of course was on another level, but um, he's, he's shown that he can still be that creative player and also against both, both of those teams, he tended to go like more to the center of the pitch and create some some room there. And yeah, so I'm, I was really impressed with with his uh, with his um, yeah with his actions um, both on Tuesday and on uh, Saturday. Maurice, I'm still gonna fight you over the Robin Ribery thing. But but really, like like you can't change really, your mind. Robin, nope, not allowed. Yeah, but really, nope. Robin has has not been that great so far yeah, this no. spring. And I have I haven't seen a single game where I would have said, yeah, well, Robin has proved that he is an integral part of this offense. And Ribery now has at least one and a half games where he has proved that. So, hmm. do you think that's because of um, how well Hamas has been playing and Muller that like he just can't even get on the pitch at this point? And obviously he's had some injury issues, but you mean Robin? Yes. I have to tell you, I'm completely clueless as to why Iron Robin is not performing the way that I would expect him to perform. Um, he just, it, it seems to be like a little bit frustrating for him, of course, because he, he is like that player who is, yeah, he's the first one to get, uh, to, to be left out. Um, mm-hmm. I think that maybe plays mentally a role, but I just think he is he has completely lost that that explosive first step that he so often has used to get past that uh, left defender from uh, of the opponent and um, that 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 plays in as well. but yep. other than that i'm I'm as clueless as the next guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, both of you will probably agree that he's been uh, adjusting his game. I think after, like, like you said, Maurice, losing that first step where um, he's not maybe trying to accomplish the same amount of take-ons um, and he tends to pass off now. Maurice, yeah. do you agree? Yeah, you, you certainly see that from him, but that, like, that was always the edge that I and Robin had, of course. And if you, if you change your, uh, if you change your style, um, that kind of, yeah, 
makes you less less unique and less valuable for for a team. Like basically just a human being and not yeah the most important yeah. goal scorer ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like that. Um Mark, do you have do you have anything else you want to talk about uh, as regarding the Sevilla match? Uh, no, I think we've covered it pretty well. Right on. Uh, I've, got, I've got one more thing to one more thing to 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 to, to point out, and that is uh, Javi Martinez, if if you don't mind. Oh yes, and how great was that tackle? <sighs> yeah, of, of course, th- th- that is something completely different because that was like the equivalent of Hummels uh, last season with oh, that yeah. great uh, tackle. Oh my god, that gosh, great sliding yes. tackle. And that I, was just like wow. I, I love defenders. Oh my god. Okay, any background noise you hear? They're apparently cutting down trees right outside my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Holy crap, I didn't think it was going to be that loud. Um <laughs> I I love defenders and I love tackles more than like more than goals, more than anything in the world and I just I was salivating after that last one. Yeah, that, that was that was a great tackle. Um, although I wanted to talk about something else concerning Javier Martinez, uh, and that was that um, that game against Sevilla once more showed his limitations, um, like in the way that he can be used in the in the build-up of, of a game and or of, of play, like um, and he he really struggled, and that was partially because he was just. Uh, Outmatched uh, in 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 the center of the pitch because like Sevilla tried to keep the the center of the pitch like around um, like really really compact. Uh, uh, also with like Korea who always tended to like yeah cut into to 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 the middle and also Ben Jeter from uh, from uh, uh, like the forward who always tried uh, to like drop back a little and so it was very often it was Martinez. Um, together with Vidal alone against all of those guys and that really really um, hurt Bayern's build-up play and I think that was ultimately one of the reasons why why Bayern um, struggled so much especially in the first uh, in the first half and that of course changed then when uh, James got back on the pitch for Vidal because James is of course um, yeah, just that much better in in build-up play, and he was like able to play that role of like a reliever for uh, Martinez, who who like took a lot of the pressure that uh, Martinez had to take off of him, and together with uh, Thiago, then um, was able to to like guide Bayern through their through their build-up play, and when when that worked uh, better, you you saw in the second half that Bayern also. Yeah, kind of got into the match like like more easily. And um, do you think do you think that 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 Bayern got into the match just because they finally got their shit together, so to speak, or do you think that Sevilla? Uh, I think they look kind of tired. Like they look, they look kind of tired. Yeah, um, and and of course they could not keep up with that. Uh, with that insane uh, pace that they, that they have played in the in the first half, but I think changing out Vidal for for James was really one of the one of the the the, the biggest uh, biggest things that that helped Bayern ultimately. And um, yeah, I, I just looked at the stats 
and Javi, Javi Martinez in the first half just played 16 passes and for a player like in that uh, uh, in that role 16 passes is like yeah like at Nothing. least 16 passes yeah it's like 16 passes short of like at least on an on a normal level <laughs> so that that really really hurt them and yeah in the second half of course like i said Hamas uh, helped that and also ribery like always a uh, ribery kind of tried to occupy that center space a little bit more and so you had ribery Thiago, and vidal there and that that kind of helped them mark would you agree yeah, definitely. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so um, now we're coming off the back of, of two pretty solid victories. Well, one was a demolishing and uh, great to return home to the Allianz Arena um, for the return match um, against Sevilla. But... Um, pretty sure that Bayern is going through. Uh, uh, Mark or Maurice, would you, would you think a loss at the Allianz is something that can even happen at this point? I think it's unlikely. I mean, Bayern usually, I think, I, I, I don't see him going out with the same lineup and like we've mentioned plenty of times already, once Thomas was in the game, Byron looked much more in control of the match. I, I wouldn't be surprised even to see, you know, that same lineup that, that we put out against Bay 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 um, the previous on uh, last Saturday. I mean, and if that if that happens, I just can't see Sevilla. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they scored one, but I just can't see them winning the match. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's kind of a. Okay, it may not be the loudest crowd, or the, but it's still in a, a sort of uh, crazy venue to come in because almost nobody wins at Bayern. Yeah, yeah, sure, and yeah, like like Mark already said, I don't I don't see uh, Sevilla going through, but. Um, one thing to watch is that uh, Banega will be back for for the second uh, for the oh. second leg or for the for the for the other match, and he of course will be another player like who can occupy that that, that central part of the pitch. Um, maybe can do so a little bit better than, for example, Vasquez, um, who who I think played for Banega um, yesterday, and so that will be something to watch. But I think. It's well, like like Mark already said, that uh, Heinkes will go out uh, there with with another uh, squad than he did against uh, than he did just like uh, on Tuesday, and so we will see a different face from from Bayern as well. And one thing that worked really good against Sevilla um, yesterday was um, those quick changes of of uh the the side of the pitch like um like right uh, prior to the to the two two one goal by um by Thiago you had a Boateng on the right side and Sevilla kind of tended to like yeah draw all of, draw all of their players towards Boateng and he just hits one of those quick and nice passes over to Ribéry and and then Ribery quickly changing sides back again over to to Thiago, and that worked like a few minutes earlier as well when uh, when uh, Martinez had that big chance. Hmm. And if 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 Bayern concentrates on 
a like making the the center of the pitch more stable and matching Sevilla right there with like a, a more creative playmaker like Hamas in there and use those quick changes of of the sides then I think um, we will get through uh, quite easily so um we've done a lot of talking about Hamas Rodriguez um, when when does Bayern make him permanent? And I, I think they could do it at any time, but I'm not sure what what the rush would be. I mean, you might as well just see out the, you know, loan and sign him after that. I mean, I I I keep seeing all these reports like, oh, Byron's ready to, you know, they're ready to sign Hamas to and you know bring him in permanently. And it's like I, I'm not sure if I really see that happening, but Maurice probably knows better than I do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um, I think we've we've seen this situation already with uh, Kingsley Coleman. Um, he also played um, some some very good games for Bayern. Obviously, not on the same level as as Hamas did, but um, Bayern, like Mark already said, felt no rush to to sign him um, permanently because. They know as well one big injury and yeah, that 45 millions somehow look uh, really, really expensive um, quite fast. And so, yeah, I think they, they wait uh, and I think they, they got time until like April next season. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Hamas is still like on loan, like in January next year. Huh. Do you think that affects a player's psyche at all, Maurice? Um, maybe a little bit because he's just like not that sure where he will spend like his next uh, part of, of, of the season. But it can, for one, also motivate the player like we see with Ribery right now, I think. And another thing that it does is, uh, another thing I think, um, uh, Heinkes is a, is a coach who talks a lot with the players. And I think he can he can tell or he can talk to um, James and tell him, well, you are very important for my future plans, at least like till the end of the season. And then we hope that another coach um, will appear at, at Sabner Strasse who will tell James the same thing. And if the player feels the trust from the coach, I think he will. He's still willing to go um, to go the distance, even if he's not signed for next season. So, okay, this segues very nicely into our last little chat before uh, we let you go today. Um, so, who's going to be who's going to be the next Byron coach, Mark? Who do you have your money on? <laughs> <laughs> um, no one. <laughs> I, I they're just gonna they're no just gonna coach themselves. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like under I just Kinsman. I can't. I mean, obviously the hot name right now is Kovac for some reason, and I just don't see that working. Um, love, I don't see happening. I mean, I've heard. Pochettino's name thrown out and I'd actually I'd be okay with that um, but of the people that have yeah, even but, been but mentioned but Pochettino like, wouldn't be okay with that he's not coming to Bayern well <laughs> it's an improvement over Spurs <laughs> but yeah I don't know I mean the, the, the other thing you gotta ask yourself is you know where 
what happens around the rest of Europe? I mean, if if Madrid doesn't win the Champions League, is Zidane gone? I mean, I don't think he should be, but it's certainly a possibility. And then they're looking for another coach too. So, you know, there's just a lot of open-ended questions at this point. I'm assuming that they're going to sign someone in April. I think that's what they've said that they're going to do, but you know, there's a, there's, I just can't, I can't imagine any of the people that have really been seriously mentioned at this point, other than I, I think they're still throwing around Nagelsmann, but I mean, I, again, you know, it's like, does that happen? I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I'm clueless. So, yeah, right, Maurice. Maurice uh, what do you think? I, um, I just, I just, I just looked up um, the odds. Like, like if if you really want to put your money on it, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm quite surprised. It, this is like some kind of UK website, which is like maybe not like the most, uh, yeah, like the one that you actually should put your money on. But um, it, it it has Nagel's money as the favorite at at four to one, and then it has uh, Pochettino yes. at five to one, and then it has a uh, Klopp at ten to one. Um, and I I don't really see any of those happening, but. I'm not really comfortable with any of the names thrown around uh, currently. Like, like uh, I, I'm not a big fan of like signing uh, Nico Kovac for for example. Um, and and I really don't see where where Bayern is going. I think they va- they wasted a, a perfectly good opportunity with uh, Thomas Tuchel, and they wasted that one by like not like being on the same side um, for for those big decisions, especially uh, I'm looking at uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Hoeneß there. And so, yeah, right now, like Marco already said, it, it'll depend a lot on who's available actually, because like he said, if Sidan um, is is fired, if Conte leaves, um, those are two names that, that you might consider. But obviously, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge said that they will present or they they will have signed the coach by the end of April and so that will not be Sinin uh, Zidane or, or Conte because they will not be free at the end of April. But can we really trust anything Kale says anymore? Ever? <laughs> as much as you can trust anything Uli says. <laughs> I just, feel right. like, I just feel like like every press conference that Kale has, he just embarrasses the club and himself over and over again at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's really a uh, it's really a, a tough one, and my guess is as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so happy um, that you said that uh, Julian uh, Nagelsmann was leading the odds because yeah, but but now I changed the side and I went to to B win, which is like I think like more. Uh, more trusted um, uh-huh. odds maker, and they got a Niko Kovac at two to one. They got Hasenhüttl at five to two, and Yogi Löw at uh, four to one. So those are the favorites right there. And they got Sidan at five to one. So that, that's cr- I mean, why would you had why why would anybody consider that Yogi Löw would be an option? <laughs> Why is Hasenhüttl even considered an option at this point? I mean, I've said so, three so, times. So, sorry that I'm laughing so hard, but they actually have they have Felix Magath in there, and if you if you if you put in one euro, you can win one hundred 
51 yes. uh, euros back but it will <laughs> probably more likely be if you put in one euro you will lose one euro but <laughs> Maurice, it, Maurice, Maurice I will PayPal you a euro <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on Felix Magath <laughs> <laughs> that is a great bet oh my goodness and you can, that would be that would be also, like you can also the most Jens, Jens terrible Keller. that would be the most terrible 100 euros you ever had in your life right like yeah. you put one down and you win even, and even then if it happens you have to be ashamed of yourself for the rest of your life and then you're goddamn stuck with Felix Magath <laughs> I have a hundred euros. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. Okay. On that note, I think we're, um, we're going to let you all go for today. And I can't stop laughing about that. Um, (laughs) But before we do Mark, um, what are you working on for Mia Sun Road? Do you have any, any ideas, any things in (sighs) development? Not anything really concrete. Um, have a couple ideas I'm kicking around, but nothing that's really, really concrete at this point. Right on. And 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 Maurice. Yeah, um, I'm currently working on um, our Play of the Month award um, for for March. Um, we've kind of been a little bit uh, shaky with with that award. We we, ju- we wanted to put it out. Uh, Every month, it, now I think last time it has been awarded was like in November. But um, <laughs> what, <laughs> this wasn't March, it, it was Kimmich, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, w- one article from Milsan wrote that I wanted to recommend uh, was uh, or is um, the the article "No Coach, No Plan, No Vision" by uh, by Felix, who's one of the German writers. It was translated to, to English, and so everybody who's listening might want to check that out as well. Uh, Felix takes a little. <laughs> deep dive into the whole uh, dispute between Ahönes and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, and it is like surely a good read. Awesome. Yeah, it is an excellent article. Um, and uh, for myself, I'm not really writing right now. I'm supposed to start, but I have a new website going called The Short Pass. Um, go check it out. It's it's easily digestible, uh, short, yet intelligent content and we talk about every league every team around the world there's also uh we're doing 10 minute podcasts which is awesome because i don't know how to shut up so i'm trying to figure out still how to host (laughs) 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 and one or two minute videos but we have a lot of stuff on culture and gear really really interesting go check it out if you will but for now, we are going to let you go. Maurice, Mark, thank you both so very much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to speak with both of you. Um, Maurice, where can we find you online besides, obviously, the Mia Sunro website? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Thunder24MH. Cool. And Mark? I'm on Twitter at at I know your con. Awesome. And I am on the tweets at the Susie Shaft. T H E S U S I E S C H A A F. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another episode of the Mia Sun Road podcast. Um, this is episode 23 once again, and we are out. Thank you.